All right. I'm going to go over the call to worship this morning. This is one that I had to read all week. Every day. I needed some encouragement. So, all right. It's good to see y'all. All right. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 3. I'm bouncing around. I know the last couple of weeks with my call to worships, and I'm sorry for that if you're following along with us. Ephesians 3, verse 14, 15, and 16. Here we go. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. And we come here this morning for that renewal. All right? To come and be revived, to be strengthened. Worship with us. Who brings the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes, oh, who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder? The King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. Oh, that you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. Then I would be set free Oh, Jesus, I sing for All that you've done for me Who brings our chaos back into order Who makes the orphan a son and daughter, the King of glory, the King above all kings. Oh, who rules the nations? Who rules the nations with truth and justice? Shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. The King of glory, the King above all kings. Oh, oh. This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You lay down your life That I would be set free Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Oh, oh. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. 
Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Y'all sing. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, 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 yeah. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. Oh, that you would take my place. Jesus, you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. I sing for all that you've done for me. Jesus, I sing for. Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. I raise a hallelujah. In the presence of my enemies, I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. Y'all sing with me. I raise a hallelujah because you are greater, Lord. Weapon is a melody. I raise a hallelujah. Heaven comes to fight for me. I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the king is alive. I raise a hallelujah with everything, with everything inside of me. I raise a hallelujah. Heaven watch the darkness flee. I raise a hallelujah in the middle of the mystery. I raise a hallelujah. Fear you lost your hold on me. Oh, I'm gonna sing. I'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're gonna hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated.
sing a little louder. Sing a little louder. those change hearts up to you this morning, Lord. Just take a minute to recognize that we are in the presence of the Holy Spirit this morning. And He is here with us. And He's ready to move in your life. He's ready to change the things that you think can't be changed here to do the things that you think can't be done. He's here to move, y'all.
Tell them to stop. And Jesus said, if they stop shouting, the stones will cry out. <laughs> All creation sings the praise of this king, church. If we stop, creation won't. The rest of the world is going to cry out glory to Jesus, even if we don't. So we might as well join the song. We might as well join the shout, church. We might as well stand on the street and raise our hands and scream, Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Lifted up as the mighty king. Lifted up as the one who is and was and is to come. If you don't do your part, God will still be praised. 
God will still be praised. We might as well find our place. We might as well find our voice in the midst of the worship. We got 10,000 reasons to praise Him. We might as well join the song. Let's lift our voices this morning, Jerry. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy name. You're rich in you're rich in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your goodness I will keep on singing. Ten thousand reasons for my heart to find. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy on that day when my strength is failing the end draws near and my time has come still my soul will sing your praise unending ten thousand years and then forevermore bless the Bless the Lord. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, it makes me so happy to praise you, Jesus. Lord, this morning, everybody brought with them a lot of just garbage. God, all the junk we drag around with us through the week, all the stresses and frustrations and fears and failures and even triumphs and successes. Sometimes all of it, God, can just weigh us down. You said, come to me all who are weary. And you'll find rest. Lord, this morning, we just acknowledge that we are a people in need of divine rest. Lord, there are so many things that just tie us up and tangle us. Lord, I just, I get a sense this morning that there's some distraction in the room. That there's some barriers that have been put up. There's there's some hindrance here from just really reaching out and touching your throne this morning, God. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we destroy those things. We tear them down in the name of Jesus, God. Whatever it is that we might have brought into this place with us this morning, God, that just keeps us fixated on anything but you, God. Those, those, little, those little irritations or, or, or maybe it's just simply exhaustion, God, from a long week of work and life. Lord, whatever it is that's keeping our eyes from just focusing on You this morning. We tear it all down. We destroy it in the name of Jesus, God. Lord, the enemy wants wants to distract us. He wants to pull our attention away from the throne of grace. He wants anything to be in our head this morning except praise for You, God. Lord, so we, we bind Him in the name of Jesus and we cast Him out. He has no place here. He has no right here. He has no authority here. Nobody here is listening to His lies. We declare truth over this place. We lose truth over this place this morning, God. We lose healing this morning. We lose hope this morning. We lose grace this morning. We lose mercy this morning, God. We lose all the things that heaven has that You long to pour out on us in Your grace this morning, God. Lord, we unleash them. You said if we loose it on earth, it'll be loosed in heaven. If we bind it on earth, it'll be bound in heaven. Lord, this morning we bind addiction. We bind brokenness. We bind hurt. We bind depression. We bind anxiety. We bind stress. We bind fear. We bind it, Lord. We, we, we tie it up in the name of Jesus, in the mighty name of Jesus. It has no place here. Only You. Only You. Boldly we approach Your throne this morning. Boldly we approach Your throne this morning. Boldly we can approach Your throne through the blood of Jesus. Lord, You said Your kingdom come. Your will be done. 
Lord, do it right here. Do it right here. Lord, we know what your will is. We know what heaven looks like. Lord, we ask, we ask for the glory to fill this place. That the worshipers might fall down before you and just cry, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Remind us this morning, the whole earth is filled with your glory. Lord, you promised the prophets that your glory would cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. Lord, we just pray this morning, show us your glory. There's no substitute for you. There's no substitute for your presence. There's no substitute for your presence. And Lord, we will not be satisfied to get by without it and just sing our songs and say our prayers and hear our sermons and go home. We can't. That's not enough for me. Well, this morning we need you. God, there are people in this room this morning who desperately need an encounter with the Almighty. So, Lord, we just ask that you would break in this place. Sweep over us this morning, God. Is there anybody this morning that needs special prayer? Something specific the church can pray over this morning? If you need something from the Lord this morning, just, just come up front so we can we can kind of all we we have to be careful in this season, but let's just all extend our hands. And let's lift this family up. Let's be the church. God, you said that two or more come together and we agree on anything that is in accordance with who you are, we would get our answer from heaven. This morning, church. We stand in agreement one with the other and we touch heaven this morning, God, and we say that it is Your divine name that we stand in agreement with today. The name of Jesus, the one that saves and rescues and brings healing and hope and deliverance. God, we pray right now in the name of Jesus, God, whatever it is that this family is crying out for, Jesus, would You bring it today? God, I, I, I get the sense in my spirit, Lord, that there's a, a real battle with addiction here. But God, what you're saying this morning, what you're saying this morning to Ryan is that his spirit is willing, his flesh is weak. But Jesus, you're 12, you told them the same thing. And a willing spirit was good enough. It was good enough for you to still call them yours. It was good enough for you to pursue them with redemption and hope. It was good enough for you to fill them with your spirit. 
and empower them to be more than they could ever be on their own. No more. No more. Lord, right now we pray in the name of Jesus, a transforming of His mind. A renewing in the name of Jesus. Come on, church. Pray with me. We pray a mighty outpouring this morning, God. Like Joshua, we're going to circle this man. We're going to walk around until the walls fall down this morning. No more bondage. No more bondage in the name of Jesus. Break it today, right now, in the name of Jesus. No more bondage, Jesus. No more. Let him walk out of here free today, Jesus. Free. Freedom in the name of Jesus. Freedom in the name of Jesus. There's no addiction in heaven. So we pray your will be done here as it is in heaven. There's no addiction in heaven, God. Break it right now. This substance has no power compared to you. It has no power compared to you. Lord, let him surrender himself. Let him surrender himself today to you. That you might be the thing that guides his action. That you might be the desire of his heart. That you might be the one he pursues. Our God, I pray for this one who's weary. You said come to you. And you would put a new yoke on him. You'd give him new work to do. You'd give him a new purpose and a new direction. Most of all, you said it was your yoke and you'd go in it with him that you would help carry the load. And that your load was easy. And your burden was light. God, there's so much heaviness. So much heaviness on his heart. Lord, we pray it off. We bind that heaviness in the name of Jesus. And we, we ask for a light burden this morning as you carry him. Lord, we believe you're good. We believe you're mighty. Give it all. Give it all to him. Give it all to him. It's not what you can do. It's not what you can do. You can't do it. You will fail every time. You will fail every time. Look at me. He never fails. Never. He never fails. He never fails. You chase him, and he'll get rid of the rest. Pursue him like you pursue that that next bump. Chase him like you do that next high. <laughs> Chase Him like that. Want Him like that. Where you'll go to any length and you'll push down any wall and you'll chase anything and you'll do anything it takes just to get some more of Him. Chase Him like that. And you know what? You'll find Him. And He's good. He's good. And He'll set you free. You don't have to fight. It's not your fight. It's not your fight. Right now. Come on. Yes. Come on. Come on. Yes. Yes. Come on. Come on. Come on. 
Yes. My family back. Come on. Do it, God. Do it, God. Do it, God. We believe you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on. That's it. Heart, God. Yes, Heal is a broken heart, God. Yes, Lord. Give him rest, Jesus. Give him rest, Jesus. Give him rest, Jesus. Church, we believe Jesus saves. Church, I believe Jesus saves people. I think 12 help programs are great. 12 step programs are awesome. Self-help groups are amazing. Celebrate Recovery is awesome. NA is great. Recovery centers are wonderful. All those are great. But Jesus can fix it right now. He's better. He's better. Maybe he'll fix it through those things. Maybe he wants you to go on some big journey, but he can fix it right now. And it's it's not just addiction. It's it's that applies to everything. You may have a journey of faith. Jesus is walking you down, church. And and I think that Ryan is on a journey. I think you guys have been a part of his journey. I think you guys have been part of this journey for a while. But I promise, church, Jesus can just fix it. He's he's the nuclear option. Right? You don't, you don't got to put boots on the ground when you drop the bomb. Right? There's no more fight after that. He can do it. And he wants to. And he wants to. There's a song, kind of an old song, but one of the lines said, Ruin my agenda, holy as it never was. Sometimes it's good just to go to church and get your agenda wrecked. I'm going to try to preach fast today. We've got a lot of ground to cover. We've been talking about the gifts of grace from the Father and the manifestations of the Spirit as He sets us into action. And last week we talked about the callings of Christ and the fivefold ministry of the church. Um, Jesus said that Jesus called everyone, that he apportioned grace to everyone, everyone. And he gave to the church 
apostles, prophets, teachers, shepherds, and evangelists. This morning we're going to talk about the apostle. Um, the apostle is an interesting one. We don't see this one show up really until the ministry of Jesus in, in Scripture. We don't, we don't really get this, this title. This word apostle in Greek, apostolos, it literally means one who is sent out. Um, the sent out one. Sometimes we, we take this and, and, and we think of a person who's a delegate, is one who's sent out. Somebody who's sent out as a representative for, uh, for a body of believers or a, 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 an organization maybe. So a delegate is one who's sent out, right? This, this concept of the apostle is that the apostle as a calling is one who's kind of a trailblazer. They're a way maker. They're the one who's out front. They're the one who's, they're not the one sitting behind the plow. They're the plow blade. They're the one who's actually doing the groundbreaking work. And as we, as we talk about this, there's some, some really interesting things we see uh, in the Word about what it is that an apostle is supposed to be. And also there's some stuff Jesus tells us about how the church is supposed to respond to an apostle. And I hope this morning as we move through, like I said, I'm going to try to move pretty quickly, but I hope this morning you guys can get a grasp on what this calling is. Now, I do want to say, and I didn't really bring this up last week, but I do want to say that I encourage you guys, I said, you'll find yourself fitting one of these categories. The truth is you'll probably find some parts of yourself fitting several of these categories. You might be an apostle and a prophet. You might be a teacher and an evangelist. You might be an evangelist and a shepherd. Or you may be able to rank all five of those, you know, well, I'm most this and I'm least this. Right? But all of these things I can find myself at work here somewhere. And so this morning, I think as we talk about apostles, you guys are going to... I know when, when I first started doing this study, I thought about this calling more along the lines of pastoral leadership. But I think, it's, I think it's more than that. And I just want you guys to hear this morning as the Lord begins to open the word that this might be for you. Because you can be an apostle, you can be sent out to do any ministry. You can be, you can be one of the delegates of Jesus and not have to stand up here on Sunday morning. He may have a ministry designed just for you to, to trailblaze. He may have something new that you are supposed to go after and pursue before anybody else. You may be, you may be the way maker. Maybe that's the calling for you. And still, that's a part of who we are. Right? Let's get into the Word this morning. We're going to read a little bit out of Mark chapter 3 and also out of Matthew chapter 10. And uh, I hope you guys can, can see there on the screen um, as we read together. I can't, so I'm going to read from the book. Um, this is in, in Mark chapter 3. We're going to start at verse 13. This is when Jesus goes up and he first picks the twelve. All right, he's got a big crowd that's following him. He's been teaching, he's been preaching, he's even healed some people. Um, 
and he's handpicking the 12 out of the big group now, okay? So it says, Jesus went up on a mountainside, and he called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Now we're going to switch over to, to Matthew chapter 10. And we're going to read a little bit there from uh, verses 5 through 8. And it covers some of that, that same thing that, that Mark was just talking about. It says, These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. He gives a little more detail. Well, actually a whole lot more detail uh, in Matthew because that's pretty much all Mark tells us. He says, Don't go to the Gentiles or enter any town with the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So, this is, this is the beginning of Jesus' call to his apostles. The first thing we can see from, from Mark chapter 13, uh, or excuse me, chapter 3 verse 13, it's very simple. It's a very simple reality. But at the same time, it might be the most important thing I say all morning. It says Jesus went up on a mountainside and he sat down and he called to them those that he called to him those that he wanted. And they came. He called and they came. He called, they came. The first marker of an apostle is obedience. When Jesus calls, you just come. The first marker of the apostle is just to do what Jesus says. It, it seems simple, but that is maybe the most difficult thing you're ever asked to do in your whole life. Mother Teresa, in an interview before she died on 2020, said that Christians had the easiest life of anybody in the world. Because you never had to make any decisions for yourself. You only had to make one decision ever. You had to decide, I'm going to follow Jesus. And he made every decision after that. <laughs> to live like that, right? That's, that is the first marker of what it is to be an apostle. When Jesus calls, you go. The second thing we see in verse 14, it says that they were called to be with him. It says Jesus called them to be with him. Now we know as we read through the Gospels, guys, that Jesus had a very particular relationship with these 12 men that was unlike any relationship he had with anyone else. The apostle is first obedient, and second, their calling, their, their greatest purpose is just to be with Jesus. The apostles... The second marker of an apostle is intimacy. There's this overwhelming desire to just be with Jesus. To know Him. To just be with Him. Man, doesn't that sound good? <laughs> just to, If Jesus called and said, Hey, here is my calling for you. Be with me. Come on, that's a good calling. That's a good calling. But He called Him first that they might be with him. As we keep reading there in, in verse 14, it says he, he commissioned them. He commissioned them to preach, to teach, to heal, 
to drive out demons. Now, we, we read in, in the Gospel of Matthew, it says this several times, that Jesus came to do a few specific things. Teach, preach, heal, drive out demons, destroy the works of the devil. Guess what he asked his disciples to do? Teach, preach, heal, cast out demons, destroy the works of the devil, right? Guess what they did? Teach, preach, heal, drive out demons, destroy the works of the devil. Guess what we're supposed to do? Guess what we're not doing? We wonder why the church is in decline. Where are the apostles? Where are the apostles? Where are the ones teaching, preaching, healing, casting out demons, destroying the works of the devil? Where are the ones doing what Jesus did? Where are the ones who just came when He said go? Where are the ones who are with Him and know Him and are are pursuing His heart? But see, to be an apostle means that you are co-missioned. That you have a mission with Jesus. The same mission Jesus had is your mission. You are to be with Him. Your mission and His mission are connected. The apostle is necessarily set forth to do ministry. The third marker in an apostle is one who can't not minister. They can't just sit and do nothing. They have been commissioned by Jesus to do what He's doing. Because they're with Him. If you're with Jesus, and we started with obedience, you're going to do what He says. And if you guys read the Gospels, what Jesus says is what He does. We keep reading, we get to verse 15. And it says that, it says that they were granted authority. That Jesus gave them authority. And specifically authority to drive out demons. I want to fixate a little minute, uh, just for a minute on that, that term drive out. We're going to see in a couple weeks when we talk about the evangelists, they're given authority too, but it's different. The authority of the apostle is one that is, it, it's like Jesus' authority. They're called to be with him. And this authority that they're given Is, is, is given to them in such a way that it's affirming. You know what it means to be affirmed? It means that, that, that Jesus tells these guys, you're going to be with me, you're going to be like me, and I am, am telling you that you have not only my permission, but my affirmation that you're going to go out and do the very work that I have been doing. They're ordained. Now, we, we have a title in the church we call ordination, and we reserve that specifically for pastors. When you go and you, you start your process in the Church of the Nazarene to be a pastor, they ask you, do you want to be a deacon or do you want to be an ordained, you want to be ordained as a deacon or ordained as an elder? And one of the main focuses we have about ordination is, are you willing to preach? If you don't want to preach, they don't want to ordain you. I understand that from an organizational standpoint, but biblically... <laughs> I'm not sure that was really the criteria. The idea of ordination and, and why we still use it in the church is this idea that Jesus has passed on his authority. And that authority is to do the ministry we just talked about. And it's specifically to drive out darkness. The power of the apostle, the authority granted to the apostle, is to go to the place where darkness is and kick it out. 
It can't stay there when the apostle comes around. Find the place the enemy's at work and run it out of here. It's a particular kind of authority. And it's one that Jesus offers to those he calls as apostles. They're ordained. As we move on, we'll get into, we'll get into Matthew a little bit. And when we get to Matthew, we get a whole lot more of this conversation. If you guys read the Gospels, you, you know that, that there's a lot of overlap. Okay, 85% of the, of the book of Matthew is word for word the Gospel of Mark. The other 15% is extra stuff that Mark didn't have. Okay? It's other sources that weren't ready at Mark's fingertips. Mark was a, was a protege of the apostle Peter. And when Peter was very old, Mark sat by his bedside and he wrote down Peter's story from Peter's perspective. Leslie and I have been together for 21 years. Since we were 17 years old. We have experienced a lot of life together, more together than apart. But if we told you our story, there would be some overlap, but it would be very different. It would be the same story. It would be mostly true. Sometimes you forget some details. (laughs) Sometimes we'll start telling a story and I'll say, oh, this happened here. And she's like, no, 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 we lived here when that happened. I'm like, no, we didn't. She's, yeah, we did. Anybody ever hear your grandparents or your parents bicker like that? Yeah. And so that's what we get when we, when we look at the Gospels. We have, we have different perspectives. People remember different parts of the same story, right? And so what we get here in Matthew, Mark just tells us Jesus took the guys up. He called them. He appointed them. He said, you're going to be with me. Let's go out and do this thing. Matthew gives us the whole conversation. Matthew just... Matthew just remembers the words. Now, I, has anybody here watched the show The Chosen? It's really good. <laughs> really, really good. It's a free app called The Chosen app. You can get it, download it on your phone, watch the show. It's incredible. One of the things that happens in the show is that we see the, who becomes the apostle Matthew, and he is really awkward. But they make him this way in the show because Matthew was a guy who was very attentive to the details. We know that from reading his gospel and because of his occupation. You don't get to be a good bookkeeper by being bad at the details, do you mean? That was his job. Keep the books for the Roman government. You don't mess up the Roman government's books. And when he wrote his gospel, he he was very attentive to the details. And he gives us this big conversation Jesus has with his disciples. And he starts off by telling them, um, he starts off by telling them where they're supposed to go. Who they're supposed to talk to. And then we we get into this, that idea of the ministry we read a, a few minutes ago. He gives them specifically what they're supposed to preach and what they're supposed to teach. Right? He says, this is what you're supposed to preach when you go out. Preach this. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now that, that, little, that little phrase in Greek, is at hand, means it's in your grasp. And what Jesus is telling his disciples to go and preach is that the thing the Jews have been waiting for since 587 B.C., so the last 600 years, 
the restoration of Israel, the king in the line of David to come and sit on the throne again and save Israel from all of their woes, that kingdom is here. That's quite a message. (laughs) That's quite a message. He says, here's what you're supposed to go preach. Just preach this. One sentence. The kingdom of heaven is here. Well, that's a big message to first century Jews. That's a big message. You know what's amazing? Here we are in 21st century America. The message that the kingdom of God, the salvation of mankind, come here to earth. The king of all kings who is going to overthrow every other power and bring salvation and hope to the world. That is still a pretty big message. It's here. That's a pretty big message. As we keep reading in chapter 5, we go to verses 9 through 15 here. And it says, he tells them, don't take any gold, silver, copper with you in your belts. No bag for the journey, no extra shirt or sandals or staff, because the worker is worth his keep. It's probably completely invisible to everybody. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person. Stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. We don't... Sometimes, sometimes we really like to think of Jesus as this cute little fluffy guy with sheep and little children on his lap, right? Jesus was hardcore, y'all. You know, you know how, like, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm a man, I don't know. My favorite descriptions of Jesus are in Revelation. Like, the way John the Revelator describes Jesus, it just gets me fired up. I like the version of Jesus riding in on a white horse with fire in his eyes and a sword coming out of his mouth and a big tattoo on his thigh that says King of Kings and Lord of Lords with an army behind him. Like that is a hardcore Jesus. I like that Jesus. That is my Jesus! Come on! Jesus did not play around. He was not just this sweet little guy inside. At the end of this discourse, he says, you may think that I came to bring peace. I didn't. I came to bring a sword. Jesus is not playing around. He says, listen, I've got a message for you to preach. And if people don't want to hear it, don't just leave. On your way out, make sure none of them even hangs on your feet. Leave it right where it lays. He said, they're not worthy of you. In verse 15 it says, I'm telling you, it'll be better for Sodom and Gomorrah at the day of judgment than the one who ignores the apostle. Sometimes, church, we just got to go and shake the dust off. That's a hard word for a world that never wants to offend anybody. But somehow we're all offended all the time. Sometimes people aren't going to hear you. That's okay. Shake the dust off. Move on. Go to the one who will. 
But I, I want to rewind a little bit. Jesus says, go out and don't take anything with you. Anybody ever go on a road trip and take no money and no luggage? <laughs> no. We used to pastor a big church that was right on the highway, right on I-10. You could see it from I-10, and it was a really big white building. If anybody's ever driven from here to Florida, you probably passed it. And people would drive by, and they'd see our big fancy building there on the side of the highway, and they would inevitably stop and beg for money. Somehow, I ended up with a horrible job of having to deal with all these people who came in asking for money. How did I get that job? I don't know. I got burned a few times. Just even aided and abetted a criminal once. It's true. We put a fugitive in a hotel room. It's true. We didn't know he was a fugitive yet, but... (laughs) Sometimes you have to err on the side of grace, right? But man, people would come in, and it was always the same story. Like, it was, there was never a new story. I'm either going from Texas to Florida, or from Florida to Texas. One or the other. I've got a job that I'm going to, but I got to right here, and I ran out of money. And now I don't have enough gas to get where I'm going. And I'd say, I can put 20 bucks worth of gas in your car. No. I really, I need some food too, and my kids need some, it'd be better if you just give me some cash. Like, no, I don't feel like supporting your habit today. But there was all this talk about, oh, I'm on this trip and I didn't plan ahead. Nobody goes on a trip and thinks you're going to get from Texas to Florida and you only make it to Mississippi and run out of gas? You didn't plan very well. Even worse if you're coming from Florida. I mean, we were like 85 miles from the border of Florida. Like, <laughs> you really didn't plan very well. What'd you leave with half a tank? Like, You don't go on a trip and take nothing. Jesus said, I want you to go out and I don't want you to take a dime. He said, I don't want you to take any gold. I don't want you to take any silver. I don't even want you to take any copper. Not even a penny. Don't even bring your coin purse. Just leave it at home. Don't pack a bag. Don't even bring a clean shirt. Because I want you to go out and I want you to be utterly dependent. Completely and utterly dependent on God to provide what you need. See, the worker is worth his keep. And when you go somewhere, find somebody who's going to bless you. And listen, when the apostle goes out on a journey like that, whew, you find a new level of desperation. When you go out on your journey and the first night it's dinner time and you haven't eaten because you weren't allowed to pack a lunch, but you don't have any money to buy any food either. You learn a new level of desperation for the presence and provision of God when you're sent out like that. A marker of an apostle is a person who finds everything they need in God. They're completely and utterly dependent on Him all the time. 
for everything that they have and everything they ever will need. You don't see them building up giant bank accounts and, and, and buying a second home. or You don't see the apostle hoarding wealth and, and, and trying to build big congregations so that they have everything they need. You don't see the apostle asking people to donate money so they can buy a private plane. right? No. These people are dependent on Jesus. And that's it. That's it. They have a calling, a designation, an appointment. And that's all they got. That's it. They're utterly dependent. Move on to verse 16. This doesn't get any better. (laughs) The poor disciples. Verse 16 He says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Thanks, Jesus. I'm sending you out like sheep. Anybody know what wolves do to sheep? You know, sheep don't have any claws. They don't even have bottom teeth. They have no means of defending themselves. None. You know, wolves are one of the only animals in the world besides people that kill things just for fun. They hunt for entertainment. They hunt because the pack was bored. With food laying there, they'll go out and hunt again and then leave it. They'll kill you just to kill you. Jesus says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. So, Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. The apostle, the apostle, the apostle is called to be a person of restraint. They're called to be a person who is shrewd, a person who's on their guard like a snake. Anybody ever walk through the woods and all of a sudden a snake will strike and you never even knew he was there? He knew you were there though, didn't he? He knew you were coming half a mile ago. He felt the vibrations in the ground. He could taste your sweat on his tongue before he ever saw you. Jesus says, I want you to go out and I want you to be that discerning, that careful. But you're not allowed to strike. You have to be that careful, but you also have to be as calm and quiet and sweet and innocent and defenseless as a sheep or a dove. I remember when I was a kid, we would always shoot doves with BB guns. And then my neighbor Luke would clean them and grill them and we'd eat dove. It's delicious, by the way. But the reason we shot them is not only because they were delicious, but because they don't move. We had this power line that ran all the way across. We had three... Three boys, like three sets of boys that lived in houses. 
back to back, and this power line ran all the way across all three of our yards. And the doves would sit on the power line, and you could walk right up underneath the power line and just go, pow! And the one sitting beside him wouldn't even fly away! And so the next boy would cock his gun, pow! We gotta be as shrewd as a snake, but just as just innocent and calm and trusting as a dove. The call of the apostles to be meek. See, it's not to not have any strength. It's to have strength and control it. When you think of meekness, think think of a horse pulling a cart or carrying a rider. In Kentucky we like horses. When you put yourself on the back of a seven foot tall, 1200 pound animal capable of pulling your car up a hill and not breaking a sweat, you are at its mercy. You may have a bit in his mouth, he may go where you tell him to go, but let him get spooked and see who's really in charge. Let him step on a twig on the trail ride and it make a loud crack and see who's really the boss in that moment. It ain't you. But you see, a horse, a horse is, is strength under control. And that's what Jesus calls the apostle to be. He calls the apostle to be meek. It's not that they're weak, but they're unwilling to just buck you off. They're shrewd, but they're kind. I think this one gets a lot, of, a lot of people. A lot of people who are called into this kind of ministry fail at this point. Because this kind of calling is one where you're granted this authority and you're given this message and you, you have this tremendous drive to go do this thing that Jesus has given you to do. And you see things that everybody else doesn't see. Because the calling of the apostle is a big picture calling. He calls the twelve and he tells them, you're going to change the world. You twelve guys are going to take my message to the entire world. That's the last thing Jesus says before he goes into heaven. Okay, this is a big time calling. They have to set up the entire organization of what we call church from nothing. Okay, these guys were groundbreakers trailblazers, visionaries. They might not have been great at the details, but they were visionaries. And you have this kind of person with this kind of calling, and then you run into something, and it seems like an immovable object. And meekness, strength under control, is really hard. Because you just want to say, but Jesus told me, would you get out of my way? But the apostle is called to be innocent as a dove. Innocent as a dove. Meekness is a mark of the apostle. Verses 17 through 23, we'll move along. It says, be on your guard. This news just gets better and better. 
Be on your guard. You'll be handed over to local councils. You'll be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you'll be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. Every time I read this, I think about the Apostle Paul. Paul gets arrested in Jerusalem. He appeals to Caesar. And so he starts this long journey of going up the up the hierarchy of Roman justice system. It's very similar to ours. First he sees a local judge, and then he sees a district judge, or a regional judge, and then he sees a, a, a district judge, and then ultimately you get to the Supreme Court. Well, Paul starts his journey up the ladder of the court system trying to get his appeal to Caesar, the Supreme Court. And every single time, they bring him in and they say, Paul, what's the charge against you? And he's like, let me tell you what the charge against me is. The charge against me is that Jesus raised from the dead to save you from all of your sins. And he just starts preaching the gospel. At one point, one of the governors says, hold on, Paul, wait. I was asking you about your charge. Do you really think you're going to convert me today in the middle of court? And Paul says, I hope I convert you and everybody else listening. Amen. <laughs> You're going to go before kings and governors, and, but I'm sending you there as a witness. You're going to be flogged. You're going to be beaten. You're going to be arrested. That's all part of your journey. So you can be witnesses for me. When they arrest you, don't worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you'll be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of the Father speaking through you. First time Peter and John get arrested for healing a man, they go before the Sanhedrin, and they're asked questions, and Peter starts this incredible message about Jesus. And it says that this this group of extremely highly educated religious and political leaders looks at Peter and John, listens to what they have to say, and it says that they took note that these were ordinary men. It says, in, in fact, it says this, regular, uneducated men. But they took note that they had been with Jesus. The way they talked in that moment Nobody could figure out how these guys could talk like that. But they had to take note, these guys had been with Jesus. And in that moment when it was time to speak, words just came out and they were the right ones. They were the right ones. It says, brother will betray brother even to death, a father to his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me. Man, this sounds like fun, doesn't it? Doesn't everybody want to be an apostle? But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you're persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly, I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The apostle, to steal, to steal Paul's words... The apostle is persecuted, but not abandoned. <laughs> yeah, that's what Paul says, right? We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. This is, this is what it is to be an apostle. 
persecution is part of the business. But you see, when you're breaking new ground, it's always hard. I watched a show called Mountain Men. Anybody watch Mountain Men? I love that show. Well, there's a guy on there who's a who's a, a blacksmith, and he went and he he drugged this old piece of farm equipment out of a lake, and it was it was an old plow, and he was trying to harvest some metal from this thing to make blades, and what he needed was good hardenable steel. Most of it was not hardenable steel; it was just kind of junk, but the plow. The plow was high carbon, hardenable steel, the actual blade that went in the ground. That's because it had work to do. The blade that went in the ground and cut through the rocks and the dirt and the hard soil. See, they were in the Ozark Mountains. If anybody here has ever, has ever been to that part of the world, my family's from there. You dig about this deep and you hit sandstone. And then it, once, you, once you get past the little layer of, of sandstone gravel, then you start getting harder like river gravel. A lot of rocks in the ground. It's, it's, it's mountainous, it's rocky, it's tough ground. And if you're going to cut through that, you've got to have something really hard. And so that plow had to be the right kind of metal to break the ground. And because the bottom line is that plow was going to meet resistance. It was known before they ever put it in the ground. It was there to break up hard things. The apostle is sent out to break up hard things. The apostle is designated to go with Jesus. And you know what Jesus did everywhere he went? He broke hard ground. He shattered expectations. He broke old traditions. And he was constantly opposed. Did you guys know, this might come as a shock to all of you, did you know people don't like things to change? It's true. I know, that's stunning. Nobody in here would fall in that category. But some people, other places at different churches, don't like things to change. There was a pastor once who said, you can... It's, it's fine. You can always move the piano from one side of the stage to the other. That's never going to bother anybody. You just might have to do it one inch a week. People don't like change. We don't like things to be different. And when somebody comes in and they start breaking new ground, there will be opposition. The apostle will be opposed. The apostle will be persecuted but never abandoned. The one who stands firm to the end is going to be saved. If you just push through what Jesus is calling you to do, in the end, he's coming. If you'll just push through that hard ground, in the end, once you've broken it all up, salvation, rescue is coming. Rescue is coming. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. And what this breeds in the apostle, the, the, the characteristic that this reality breeds in the apostle is what I call a holy dissatisfaction. The apostle is never satisfied with the way things are, but always pushing to what it could be. 
And that's not out of some weird sense of I want something better. It's this, it's this divine thing that God has put into the apostle to just keep breaking. Just keep pushing. Blaze that trail nobody's been on yet. It's, it's this thing from God that says I can't stop until I get to where He is. This holy dissatisfaction with just normal. Keep reading this text here. Pick up at verse 24. And Jesus says this to him. He says, The student is not above the teacher, nor the servant above his master. Listen to this. But it is enough for students to be like their teacher and servants to be like their master. He goes on and he says, if they, call the, if they call the master the devil, how much more are they going to call the servant then? What I want us to, to, fix, on, to fix our attention on in this, this little stretch here, he says the student isn't above the master the, or the teacher, the servant's not above the master, but it's enough. It's enough. It's sufficient for the student to be like the teacher, for the servant to be like the master. And the idea here is that we have to come under to become like. We have to come under the authority of the teacher or under the authority of the master in order to become like the master. The concept, one of the markers of an apostle and the calling of an apostle is that they are going to emulate Jesus. They're going to emulate Jesus. That word emulate, it's more than just imitate. It's not just like to do what you do. To emulate means to literally become like. Not just to act like, but to be like. To actually become like that person. And in order to do that, we have to put ourselves in the position of a student or a servant. The apostle is one who is always going to come under the authority of Jesus. Kind of like the meekness, this one catches some folks too. Because when you get yourself in this position of authority, it's hard to remember that you're also a man under authority. But if we don't come under, we can never be like him. If the student is always trying to tell the teacher how to teach, they're never going to learn anything. If the servant is always trying to run things, It's not a very good servant. And they're probably not going to end up having much of a future. They're never going to become a master by trying to take over the master's house. Right? That's never going to work. We have to emulate, come under to become like him. As we continue here, We'll look at the next few verses together. And this is kind of a big section. You probably It'll probably be too small. But I'll read quick. Jesus says, so don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of them. For there's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed. Or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, you speak it in the daylight. What I whisper in your ear, you proclaim it from the rooftops. Don't be afraid of those who kill the body and can't kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? 
Yet not one of them will fall to the ground without your father's care. And even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Don't suppose that I've come to bring peace on earth. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. That's a hard word. But it's true. Anybody in here have unsaved family? Anybody in here decide to be a Nazarene and the rest of your family is a Catholic? Sometimes pursuing Jesus wrecks relationships. Sometimes people don't want you to follow Jesus. And Jesus says, don't, don't think I came to make something easy here. I didn't. What I'm bringing is divisive. It's hard. Leslie preached this morning out of Luke chapter 2, and there's a prophet there named Simeon, and he, he tells Mary and Joseph that Jesus, we, we translate it, he'll be a sign that many speak against. But Leslie told us this morning at church that the, the literal Greek translation there, it says there will be a target to be shot at. <laughs> Jesus was a target to be shot at. And the calling of the apostles to be with Him and to be like Him. He says, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me isn't worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever doesn't take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. The call of the apostle is to be brave. And to be bold. He says, don't be afraid. Yes, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Yes, I'm sending you out to break up hard ground. Yes, you're going to be beaten. Yes, you're going to be abused. Yes, you're going to be accused of things. Yes, you're going to be dragged before. People are going to hate you. They hate me too. But don't be afraid of them. They don't amount to anything. Fix your attention on things with eternal consequences. It doesn't matter if your neighbor doesn't like you because you preach Jesus. They can't really do anything of value. They might make your daily life uncomfortable. But ultimately, you are here to serve Jesus. The call is to be brave and bold. To not stop teaching. To not stop preaching. No matter what the opposition. To not stop going after Jesus, even if it breaks some ties with your family. 
To not put anything before Him. That you can't have any fear. The calling of the apostles to be fearless. Completely fearless. Dan Bohai says that there are only two things God can't work with. Sin and fear. He can't use your sin. And He can't do anything if you're too afraid to move. The call of the apostle is to be fearless. Oh, I forgot that one. We have to put Jesus first. Did you guys get that in that that last little bit? Anybody who doesn't, anybody who puts their mother or father above me, your daughter, your son above me, anything above me, anybody who's not willing to die every single day for me, you're not worthy of me. (laughs) We don't talk like that in the church, do we? That might hurt somebody's feelings. We want to be seeker sensitive. We don't want anybody to get offended and leave. Jesus says, if you're not willing to die for me today, you're not worthy of me. That's what Jesus said. You know what? When Jesus started healing and feeding people, lots of folks came. When Jesus started preaching, people left. That's the truth. Because he preached stuff like this. And John, he, he, he tells the people that they've got to take up a cross and start following him. And they're like, wait, what? And he's like, it's even more than that. If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And they're like, whoa! They said, this is a hard teaching. What do you mean? He's like, I mean exactly what I said. If you don't partake in me, you don't know me. And everybody leaves. And Jesus looks at the twelve. He says, are you going to abandon me too? And they're like, where else do we go? (laughs) You're the only person who speaks and there's life on it. There's life in your words. We We don't know where else to go. You're all we got, Jesus. The apostle has to be Christocentric. Christ in the center of everything. Christ in the middle of everything. Finally, Jesus ends his little discourse here. He says, anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. Anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. If anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you that person will certainly not lose their reward. This last one, this last one I think is for the church. Apostles have a hard job. And they have a job that rubs people the wrong way sometimes. But as we look at this passage, and, and like I said in a couple of weeks, we'll see Jesus sending out the, the evangelists, the 72. And their calling's a little different. 
The apostle is to be welcomed, not just heard. When you look up this word welcomed in the Greek, it, it literally is received. Admitted as a member. The apostle, you, you can't just listen and that be good enough. You don't just tolerate the apostle. The apostle has to be welcomed. The apostle has to be received. That's hard when the apostle's calling you to the stuff Jesus just told him to go preach, right? That's hard when the apostle's trying to break new ground and, and blaze new trail and calling you to follow him in places you've never been before. The apostle has to be received. And if you don't receive the apostle, then you miss the reward. You miss the reward. I remember when I first started studying the fivefold, I assumed I was going to be a teacher. I like to teach, it's fun. At the time, I was teaching church history at a private school, and, um, oh, I loved it. It was so fun. And I was like, you know, I've always enjoyed the, the kind of cognitive side of, of preaching, and, and I, I really love to sit down with my students and teach them the deep things of Scripture and even things like apologetics, defending your faith and talking about science. And I love that stuff. And when I started really doing this study, I thought that I would probably land there. No. <laughs> no. I think that's down the list somewhere, but when I started reading this, it was like, that's me. That's what he told me to be. That's who he keeps telling me to be. There's some hard realities that come with that. We got a friend we've known for a long time. And uh, we were talking to her this fall about our ministry and what was next. And she said, man, it just seems like you guys have been walking uphill in the mud for the last 10 years. <laughs> and we kind of laugh. Y'all, God has had us breaking some hard trail. That's hard work. And you know, the person in the front always gets beat up the most. Anybody ever tromp through the woods with a machete? The person in the front is the one who takes the thorns on the legs and then warns everybody behind them, right? Man, I've never been alone. <laughs> he called me to be with him. I think there are some apostles in the room. 
I think there's some people in here that God is awakening something in you to say there is a ministry I have for you, some ground for you to break, some trail for you to blaze, a thing that I made you for that nobody else could do, a way of serving your church and your community that's just for you. If he calls, go. If he calls, go. Find some people that will follow you. I gave you guys some, some markers of the apostle straight from the mouth of Jesus this morning. He calls. Are we ready to answer? Let's pray. God, we thank you and praise you. We love you. We honor you. Lord, build your church, not our church. Not our church. Lord, build your church. Like the psalmist said, unless the Lord builds the house, the workers labor in vain. Build your, build your house. Build your house, that it might be a house of praise, a house of prayer. Like Phineas Brzee said, a center of holy fire. Have your way, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, announcement this morning, very important. Um, on the 30th, we're going to do the blessing of the backpacks. Uh, and in preparation of relaunching our kids' ministry, praise God. Um, on the 6th of September, correct? Right? The 6th of September, uh, we'll, we'll relaunch our children's programming uh, with a celebration. There's going to be some concessions made for the, the season that we're in. Uh, our kids are going to meet outside. There's going to be lots of steps taken to make sure everybody's safe. Miss um, Lee has gone to tremendous lengths and great care to make sure that we have a good plan in place to do this safely and, and intelligently. And so on the 6th, we're going to relaunch our kids' stuff, and I'm super excited about that. I hope you guys are. Um, come out Wednesday night for Bible study, studying the book of Hosea. And uh, teens, come out on Wednesday. We're having lots of fun and, and good discussion about Jesus and uh, his place in our life and, and what it is to really be his follower. Um, I think that's about it. Is that it? We're good? Uh, I forgot to let Brad talk again. Imagine that. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I love you guys. See you next week. <laughs>